Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It is episode 222. It is January the 9th, 2020. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. That was a lot of twos. Sure. Do, do, do's. Do, do's. Happy New Year, bud. Happy, happy New Year. <laughs> yes. By the way, how long do you think uh, Ryan Seacrest is contractually obligated to keep to Clark's name on New Year's Rock and Eve? <laughs> It's got to be something worked out with his estate at this point, right? Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand like, I don't percent. Know, I don't know anybody that, like, has any sort of loyalty to a <laughs> New Year's Eve telecast. Like, <laughs> you just flip through and you find one and you have it on in the background and you only really pay attention to it, like, when the ball's dropping. So it's like, who cares? <laughs> but I guess, yeah, there has to be something worked out with somebody's estate where... They uh they get to have his name still be a part of it for you know another ten years or something. For sure, for sure. Maybe as long as his wife's alive or something. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if his wife is still alive or not. But anyway, New Year's Eve, by the way, objectively, probably the worst night on television. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had Roman Reigns versus Dolph Ziggler on Fox's New Year's special. How could how could that be a terrible show? As I said. I tell you, Steve Harvey is a magician and uh, is super entertaining and good on him. And Maria Menounos uh, is a national treasure and a future WWE Hall of Famer. Okay. And uh, was great on the Steve Harvey New Year's show, but it's like they're trying to polish turds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's just really not. There's not not a whole lot you can do. Uh, the village people are there. I <laughs> like. You're cutting to a Queen concert, only Freddie Mercury died 30 years ago. Like, I don't... It's a very strange mix of people they think are watching television on uh, yeah. on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I don't uh, get it. I guess we should talk about wrestling, though. <laughs> I mean, I doubt the show will be better if we talk about <laughs> wrestling. We really should just do a, do a show on... How terrible New Year's Eve television is. I'm not done yet. Okay. Uh, New Year's Eve television. The shows are also bad on New Year's Eve because most of them go off the air at like 1 a.m. And mm-hmm. really, those things should be going to like 4 a.m. Like, That's true. I, I, I don't know how much more. I mean, they struggle to fill the time that they have until 1 a.m. or what have you. But they should really go much longer also. So I don't know if we need to get like... We need to have, like, uh, Jay-Z have a concert, or Garth Brooks, or, I don't know, some uh, some music artist that has something resembling uh, mass appeal, and mm-hmm. just have an actual bit of television programming on New Year's Eve. But, uh, yeah, whatever we got going right now, a, despite the nice variety show, perhaps. <laughs> hosted by Lonnie Donegan. <laughs> there you go. Uh yeah, so despite Steve Harvey and Maria Menounos, Menounos' best efforts, uh, New Year's Eve TV sucks. So, uh, WB was all over that New Year's Eve show on Fox. 
And let's just start. Yeah, let's start talking about wrestling now. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom was this week, and uh, there were there's a lot of wrestling, and so WWE is not kind of uh, our lead this week because yeah, some stuff happened in WWE, but none of it was really all that interesting. New Japan uh, put their two top titles on the same guy and uh, had two dome shows with more than 30,000 people. So that seems uh, more newsworthy this week. What did you think of Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, yeah, they were they were both very enjoyable shows. I, Despite it not being part of my job to watch them live, I, I did stay up and watch both shows live. I didn't see all of night one live, but I came in sort of at the end of the heavyweight tag title match and stayed through the end of that show and then watched the entire main show of the second night live. And it was a, I mean, at the end of that, you want it to be worth it, right? You want, if you, if you, you you know, if you stay up from until five or six in the morning uh, to, uh, to watch wrestling from Japan live, you want it to be worth it. And I thought both nights by the end, I felt it was worth it. Uh, a lot of really great wrestling on the show. Um, some interesting angles building out of the show as well. Uh, to, to tr- hopefully, I guess, what what the appetite of the fans who maybe just come in and, and buy that New Japan World subscription just for Wrestle Kingdom and then check out afterwards, try to keep them enticed. Whether or not they did that or not is is maybe we can discuss that. But yeah, overall, I thought the the shows were great. How uh, under the more critical lens that you have to watch these shows under as you're covering them for the uh, the Observer site, uh, what did you think of the two shows? Uh, by and large, I thought they were good. Uh, the undercard stuff was short. The stuff that was kind of designed just to get people on the show. Uh, that stuff was short and. None of it was particularly good, but none of it was particularly bad. And then all the top matches were good. Um, and as you said, uh, your opinion of what they did kind of with this, you know, probably their biggest audience of the year, uh, you know, they tried to make a new top heel in Kenta. Wouldn't have been my choice. <laughs> um, I don't think he particularly stands out uh, among the talent that they have assembled there except that his work is not at the same level of the top workers in New Japan. Uh, He's, you know, in his late 30s now, and he has a lot of mileage on him, and uh, he can't... There's certain... There's things he can't do anymore. (laughs) So he would not be my choice, but he does get great heat. Um, And, you know, it's worth a shot, I guess. And the people over there seem to uh, really have, um, they've been telling the story, you know, Naito has been IWGP champ before, but um, not really on the grand stage, not winning the title at Wrestle Kingdom, and he finally did it here, and uh, people love Naito, so eh, it's worth a shot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I think Kenta is a fine first challenger. Um, I think they've already announced he's going to be wrestling uh, Naito at the New Beginning show at the beginning of February, so that's fine. It doesn't light my world on fire, and I was kind of shocked that they shot the angle at Wrestle Kingdom and didn't wait the next day for uh, the New Year's Dash show. 
but had you know the 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 end of of this big show of your your biggest main event ever theoretically is is Kenta uh, beating up Naito and then uh, Bushi just sort of awkwardly standing in the ring <laughs> over the fallen Naito. Um, I thought that was a little, maybe the presentation of that angle was a little bit awkward, but yeah, I think that's a fine first challenger. I think down the road, you still have another, you know, God forbid another Ibushi match for Naito. You obviously have a rematch with, uh, with Okada. You can still do down the road. Um, could do another thing with Jay White. Uh, lot, lots of stuff they could do uh, playing off all this stuff. But yeah, Kent, Kent is a fine first first challenger, I suppose. I think a lot of people expected Sonata to turn and join Bullet Club and perhaps Sonata to be that first challenger. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of seems poised to join... Uh, or to take another step forward this year. Uh, you know, he finally got a win over Akata last year, and he didn't win the title from him, but just feels like they want to make a new guy, and Sonata is that guy. And so I think a lot of people were expecting a turn, and the way they set the card up with New Year's Dash, New Year Dash, uh, it, it, I think it would have been great. But they went in a different direction. So I think we still might get that at some point. Mm-hmm. But there's like nine guys you talk about now that could get the belt. It's, Naito has it. Okada could get it back at any time. Jay White could get it at any time. Ibushi has got to get it at some point. Um, Sonata, you would think, has to get it at some point. So... It, the the top of the card there is not as maybe as stale as it has been for a few years, mm-hmm. and to the point where they got to find stuff for Ibushi and Tanahashi to do, and so they're going to go after the tag team titles in the meantime. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of bizarre, but hey, you know they they got a lot of talent and um, they're mixing and matching it in interesting ways, so. I don't know how much more you can ask for. Uh, Shingo Takagi, I feel like, is way above challenging for the Never <laughs> Never title. But yes. they just they move much more slowly in the way that they elevate guys. And, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, the other big angle that... Uh... <laughs> You know, it's funny, uh, watching the second show live, I was kind of starting to fade about halfway through the show, and uh, I was, I think I actually did nod off during uh, John Moxley versus Juice Robinson for the U.S. title. Understandable. Right, not that that was like a terrible (laughs) match, but it wasn't spectacular, and and it wasn't what that show needed at that point in the night. But, uh, thank, thank the Lord above that uh, as soon as the match ended, uh, Kazenina Rei hit and Minoru Suzuki walked out and uh, proceeded to gotch pile drive Moxley in the middle of the ring, setting up a U.S. title match. And my goodness, they made me care about the U.S. title. So that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Uh, yeah, so Suzuki is Suzuki's great. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I guess Moxley still being there going forward is interesting. 
there do- still doesn't seem to be an AEW New Japan relationship, which is also interesting. Mm-hmm. And New Japan's running shows in the United States this year. They're running 20-some shows uh, without television here now because <laughs> it's okay. they get kicked off Access TV. Uh, because, because they access... didn't want to work with <laughs> because <laughs> the stupid carny business anthem that owns Impact bought them a television network and then uh, New Japan didn't want to play with Anthem's son, so Anthem expelled them from the school. I, I'm losing the <laughs> I'm losing my analogy here, but Anthem said they could stay on Access TV if they decided to work with with Impact and. New Japan said, uh, no, we'd rather have no television. <laughs> and who could blame them? Yeah, I don't blame them. Like, it should it should not be that difficult for them to get television that is in more than, like, 40 million homes. You wouldn't right. think. <laughs> like, you can't, I, I, like, a partner, a television partner doesn't immediately spring to mind, but there's got to be something better out there than being in 40 million homes, you know? Right. Um, so we'll see. Interesting times. Uh, they they could really use television here in the United States if they're going to continue to try to expand here. But, eh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Interesting year coming up. Interesting times. Absolutely. Uh, you got anything else on Wrestle Kingdom, or do you want to get into uh, WWE stuff? No, I guess that's that's the big thing. Obviously, Jericho beat Tanahashi, as you mentioned, so no no AEW world title match coming anytime soon between Jericho and Tanahashi. But um, the fact that Jericho won, I thought, well, they could, they, I guess him and Naito each own one victory over each other, so they could always throw uh, crazy, angry grandpa Jericho into that, that world title mix, too, so... A lot of a lot of interesting moving parts uh, to that to that top top of the card as you mentioned. Yeah, and Jericho just beat Tanahashi. Like Tanahashi doesn't lose for no reason, you know. Right. And so it's you know even if he's being phased down a little bit at forty three now, uh, he's yeah he still is protected and. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 another good uh, good point. Another thing worth noting. And um, Jericho Tanahashi, I thought had a good match. Uh, it wasn't crazy garbage brawl like I expected. <laughs> every time I see Jericho in New Japan, yeah, there's there's a little bit of of chicanery of brawling and and but not not to the level that we have seen in his other matches and. Um, yeah, it was a good it was a good match. It was a little sloppy in spots, but I didn't think it was anything that hurt the match. And uh, those two guys, for you know whatever else you want to say about maybe how Jericho looked cosmetically, um, he still knows how to get you know get a crowd into his matches. And and Tanahashi's still, uh, yeah, you know, every time you think he's done or he's on his way down, he, he still shows you just how talented he is and at really just getting a crowd a crowd to just live and die with with everything he does and yeah I thought I thought they had a very entertaining match together. You know, I would like to point out that the narrative that Jericho is pushing to uh, certain journalists is that he has gotten so big 
because he's working with guys that are smaller than him in AEW, mm. and he wants to play bully. So, you know, all the guys he's working with, like Cody and John Moxley, mm-hmm. you know, he says they're smaller than he is. Right, right, right. So he wants to bully them around. It's not just the fact that he likes cookies. <laughs> and vodka. Right. Uh, hey, and congratulations to Chris and his wife on renewing their wedding vows. Just a good family man. Good, great family man. Took his, took his son with him to Tokyo. Had a great time. Great dad. Great family man. Yeah, just just a good family. He's a family guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, moving on. Do you think people on? Do you think people understand what Jericho? <laughs> what we're doing here with Jericho? I I feel like people are catching on more now, and like <laughs> we as, as we've talked about, it's like. He's a wildly entertaining television character. I'm not I'm not taking that away from him. I don't want to take away that he's still very entertaining. But like I feel like if you follow him on any social media and you just you just pay attention a little tiny bit, like you know. You know what's going on. <laughs> Alright. Oh boy. Uh Phil CM Punk Brooks got pretty mad at Miz this week on Twitter. For like no reason. <laughs> like, I don't like, first of all, who could possibly care about that stupid WWE backstage show? But also, it's like Miz made a silly joke making fun of the dumb catchphrase that Punk said on on one of the episodes. <laughs> and Punk responded by being um, moderately homophobic and also, uh, yeah, call, talking about the Saudi blood money, and I guess saying that Miz is like a shill uh, for WWE. But it's it's tough for me to feel. And again, should should note, I like CM Punk or I like him as a wrestler and a character. <laughs> um, would you know? I'm not. I'm not. An, I'm not suddenly anti CM Punk. I don't hate CM Punk, but it's hard to feel like he has the moral high ground when he a took a job covering, you know, on a show that is designed as an advertisement for WWE and he works for the Fox network, which is not exactly the, the cleanest of, of corporate gigs you could get. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, glass houses and stones and all that, but I, I, I guess, and people were pointing this out on Twitter this week, I guess there's kind of like, going back years punk just really doesn't like the miz and like <laughs> all all over his dvd is him just complaining about how the miz was pushed more than him and how he doesn't understand and there are like segments on raw where punk kind of takes takes seemingly not in character shots at the miz and stuff like that so yeah i don't know if this if this goes back to like them and obw together or whatever but it's it was just like a weird thing and punk <laughs> punk uh as as much as this phrase is uh not one that I, is regularly in my lexicon uh he he seemed a little triggered <laughs> yes yes you know i think I finally have reached a point in my life where I'm done trying to figure out CM Punk. <laughs> you just <laughs> just gonna chalk it up to he's a weird dude, 
Mm. He does have a history of being of making statements in public that could be read as homophobic. And he's just a deeply strange guy full of contradictions. And I'm just gonna let him let him enjoy his life and not spend any more of my time or energy worrying or thinking about it. <laughs> I think that's fair. And again, it's like is Miz like a good little PR robot for WWE? Yes, absolutely. Yes. But like he's pretty harmless as far as those types of personalities go. Yes. So like it seems weird to like get real worked up over it. And he he also didn't work the last Saudi show. Like it's true. And if you've worked a Saudi show, I guess I guess it's fair criticism if you've ever worked one. But you know, he was one of very few people that work there that, for whatever reason, did not work the last one. So, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean, Daniel Bryan worked the first Saudi show. Uh, you know, um, Roman Reigns has worked them. A lot of people, <laughs> that, some of which I'm sure Punk maybe still would consider a friend or an acquaintance, perhaps. <laughs> um, uh, worked, worked those shows and it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's, and again, if he, if, if he wants to call out the company for running those shows, that sounds great. I'd love to see him do it on the air on this show. What a, what a pipe bomb that would be, but just bi- bitching out the Miz on Twitter for it seems like uh, you're a little bit of misplaced aggression. Sure. Sure. All right, WWE main roster television. SmackDown was a million years ago now, <laughs> six whole days ago. But um, Sasha Banks lost to Dana Brooke, and sure. I'm gonna gonna get into a bathtub with a toaster because of it. And uh, let's see what else. She's probably gonna lose to Lacey Evans on television this week, which is just uh, one more reason. And uh, I laid out a scenario for you. I knew that you had missed Raw this week. And so as I was recovering from New Year's Dash on Monday, or I guess early Tuesday morning, and I was watching mm-hmm. Raw on DVR, Big Show uh, reappeared, reemerged <laughs> from his tomb. And I laid out a, a kind of a, a scenario for you. Just imagine this, if you will. It's 25 years in the future. It's January 2045. You're watching an episode of Monday Night Raw. Triple H and Stephanie's daughter is in the main event. She's teaming with Big Show and Rey Mysterio against <laughs> against Natty Nightheart, Kane, and Dolph Ziggler. All the people, all the people that will never ever ever leave. Yep, uh, we'll just we'll uh, never be rid of them. Yep, at ringside is Vince McMahon's uh, head, which is floating floating in a mysterious blue liquid uh, in a glass <laughs> bell jar. Uh, Vince's head calls for the bell while uh, Stephanie and Triple H's daughter has Natty in the sharpshooter. So we have to rehash we have to rehash Montreal again. Uh, after after the after the match, um, Kane. Hang on, let me see if I get this right. No. Big Show knocks out... 
Big Show and Mysterio are teaming with with uh, Stephanie Triple H's daughter, right? Against right. Kane, Dolph Ziggler, and Eddie, right? So after the match, Big Show knocks out Dolph Ziggler with a knockout punch because he's still going to be a geek. Sure. Uh, and then Big Show. I then added this part later. Big Show turns heel on Rey Mysterio, <laughs> and and he and Kane hit a dual choke slam on Rey Mysterio, and Michael Cole on commentary, still on commentary, starts screaming about the mind games being played <laughs> by Mr. McMahon. And Jerry Lawler, who is still on commentary also, he uh, is now mute, but he's in a smart wheelchair, and he uh-huh. has a digital soundboard, a digital soundboard that he controls with his eyes that, uh, that now emotes for him. And it... His soundboard emits a Howard Dean like scream as as Raw rolls on in (laughs) in 2045. Because 25 years from now, we're still going to have Kane, Big Show, Dolph Ziggler, Natty Nightheart, Rey Mysterio, and uh, probably a McMahon. Yeah, that's. I mean, my, my old adage uh, that I like to repeat every five episodes or so on this show. Uh, you know, if Slaughter could still bump, he'd be there right now. Yep. Boss Man were alive, sure. he'd be on the show. Huh? Yep. Patterson yep. and Briscoe, you know, any any of those guys, they'd all they'd all still be there if they could. And I tell you what, I obviously I did not see the show live because I uh, was just sort of living my life. Uh, but I did see the clip of Big Show making his return, and he looked so not excited. <laughs> to be there and then i watched him walk up the steps grimacing yeah. with each step and i was like oh oh he really doesn't want to be there <laughs> but there's some weird jedi mind trick that vince pulls on all these lifers where they feel like they have to come back for the old man and boy that was oh. and now we're building are we building to seth rollins versus the big show is that our is that our uh, early winter TV program. God, I hope not, but it sure seems like a probability. I I have a different read on Big Show coming back. Um, I don't necessarily think that he had to be coerced into this. If you watch the network special where he was talking about his rehabbing from his hip surgery, it seemed mm. like he was really itching to get back. And I think his contract actually expired while he was out. So, you know, he had to come back to get more money, so he, he, he came back for that reason. I don't think it was <laughs> it was like and as long as they're gonna keep sending as long as they're gonna keep sending you checks, I mean why would you stop? I guess. It's like at a certain point, don't you I don't know, could you transition to like a trainer role or something where you can just live in Florida and you know, yell do more calisthenics like uh, Albert does instead right. of uh you know, having to go out there and bump around for Acom and Razor. Yeah. Well, we don't know how long he's in for. We do know that he's doing a, a sitcom with Netflix and WWE Studios. So he does have other projects, other irons of the fire. But uh, you theorized a potential WrestleMania match for him that is the most Vince McMahon idea I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Well, my first thought was Brock. But failing that, I think it's not impossible that we could see Big Show versus Tyson Fury on that show. 
Or if I mean, not at WrestleMania, then perhaps at the next Saudi show. I mean, makes the most sense at anything I've ever heard. <laughs> it's an attraction. It's a spectacle. Yeah. We did it with Mayweather 13 years ago. That's right. <laughs> Why not do it with a real t- a real big guy this time? Yeah. Brock Lesnar's entering the Royal Rumble at number one. Paul Heyman said it's not a prediction but a spoiler that he's going to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. How do you build a contender <laughs> for Brock for the title for Mania if he just runs through everybody in the Royal Rumble? So, uh, any thoughts on whether that will happen or <laughs> a potential a potential opponent? I mean, ideally, you would think, okay, well, he'll get like really far, and then like. The, someone in, in, like he'll get to the final four and somebody will throw him out and then he'll come out come back and beat that person up and throw them out of the ring and then they'll be that'll be the feud for mania but yeah i mean the the prediction spoiler line does make it a little more interesting i just yeah i don't i don't know why you would do that and i can't imagine a scenario where you build to brock versus the fiend to unify the belts um, although I do think that would be really funny. Yeah, so there is that. <laughs> Which, as 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 uh, Twitter followers were know, I don't generally root for WWE to be, like, what I consider good. Um, <laughs> but I... Uh, well, I, I do. I would like them to put on a show that I enjoy. But failing that, my, my secondary uh, urge is I just... I root for it to be funny. If it's bad, I at least hope it's funny. And Brock versus The Fiend does sound like it would be really funny. Nobody's selling anything. Mm-hmm. Just F5s and Sister Abigail's and <laughs> spooky lighting and yeah. Paul trying his best to make something out of it. Drew, Drew McIntyre, I think, is the guy Mr. you're going to go with. Yeah. He, he's been cutting some unscripted promos on Raw in the last month or so. Uh-huh. That I would, uh, I've actually enjoyed. Like they've added a little bit of personality to him, to a guy who has um, previously displayed all the personality of wet paper. So it's you know it's not it's not great, but it's something. I mean, it would be something we hadn't seen before, at the very least. Uh, yeah. So there's there's that. Like yeah, I don't. I don't I don't have any desire to see Drew McIntyre at all, but at least yeah, the one Raw I've watched in the last like two months was the the wedding show uh, a couple weeks ago and I saw him beat up Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins and he was like being funny and trying to get the crowd to like <laughs> count down with him because yeah, I guess it was the show before New Year's um, like count down to him hitting the big kick so it's like hey you could find that and 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 do do a little bit of audience participation stuff. You know, people love the sing along stuff, so you know, give them a catchphrase, let them repeat it, let it let the crowd get with them. Yeah, let them. I'm I'd love to be proven wrong on him, and that he'll just become some fountain of of charisma and everything that I heard people tell me about him while he was not in WWE could come true, but. I mean, even when he was a, a babyface in NXT, that was, I thought, some of the most boring 
NXT has been since it's been on the network. So, uh, like I said, uh, good luck to him. And I would prefer him, him and Brock uh, to say, I don't know, Brock and Kane or Brock and Braun Strowman or Brock and Roman Reigns again. We're down on WWE quite a bit usually, but I feel like it's worth just mentioning. I like a lot of what they're doing right now, or I would say I'm not offended by a lot of what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like AOP and Seth as a unit. I don't like the Seth calling himself the Messiah thing, uh, not just because it's blasphemy, but because it's it's just not very good. Uh, but them as a unit, I think, has potential. Um, Joe and... Joe and Owens' baby faces uh, are growing on me. I mean, Joe's just incredible in whatever he does, and Owens yeah. is coming off as less of a dollar store Steve Austin to me. So that's cool. Uh, AJ and Randy Orton, like, it doesn't do anything for me because we're on year 19 of Randy Orton now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... Like, it's well put together, and it's a solid professional wrestling feud. Rey Mysterio is featured and has a good match every week. Uh, Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy, like, I wish they had a little more to the program than just matches, but the matches are very good. Tag team stuff doesn't really do anything for me. Lashley and Rusev doesn't do anything for me, but that stuff is pretty short. And they finally found a program for Becky, with Oscar, that makes sense, and I wish they presented uh, Becky's a little bit more of a star rather than a sad sack. But overall, I like a lot of what they're doing over there. Yeah, I think there are pieces there that can work and could lead to some interesting or fun or good uh, matches going forward. And that is the nice thing, or at least to this date, the shows don't necessarily get good or even great or anything but you can at least generally around this time of year you start to get a feel for the direction of what they're doing or, or at the very least you have some some uh, confidence that like something will happen on the show every week as opposed to like the September through December Raws and Smackdowns that feel like you could just pick one <laughs> out of out, you know watch one show every six months kind of like what I've been doing and kind of just be like, oh, okay, it's pretty much all the same, and and then check out for another few weeks. So, you you are at least guaranteed something is happening. Storylines are advancing. We're we're getting some of our our people in place for the the big shows coming up. So yeah, that's not that's not nothing. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get into this week, or should we uh, call it a day? I guess we can really quick hit on the Wednesday shows. I oh, saw... I totally forgot about Wednesday wrestling. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I did not see very much of NXT, but I guess the big news coming out of that show is that one Alex Shelley will be teaming with Kushida in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic going forward. So that's that's I guess that's news. That's he's been kind of working as a free agent. He's been in Ring of Honor a lot. He's been working other indies, but. He and Kushida kind of had a little reun- reunion on an Evolve show a couple months ago. And, yep, Alex Shelley in a WWE ring coming soon. It's interesting. It's interesting. 
Yeah, I, I uh, wonder. And, I, I know Saban's supposed to be back soon, so it will be interesting to see if, if they, as a team, decide to sign somewhere or if they're going to try to keep playing free agent for the time being. That'll that'll be interesting to see going forward. And I think Shelley's like half retired. Like he's, I always mm-hmm. do a guest trainer stuff, too. But yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like... I don't see a long run for him and Saban together anywhere. Sure. Uh, that's that I could be a hundred percent wrong. I don't know either guy, but <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's worth talking about. I haven't gotten to NXT yet either. So I don't know. I guess the thing they were heavily pushing was who's going to step up and challenge Rhea Ripley. Looks like it might be Tony storm. God bless. God hey. bless America. They did the the very uh, main roster thing where like all the women came out and won a challenge for it, and then they do a, a six a six person tag, and uh, the baby faces win. So, but they teased her and and Tony and and her and Candice and and her and EO. So, they're kind of setting up. I get, I'm sure we'll get a. I believe they're doing a battle royal on next week's show with the winner getting a shot at her going forward. And then uh, Keith Lee won a four-way in the main event to get a a future title shot against uh, Roddy Strong. So, yeah, they're they're setting up some pieces for I guess their next big show. And I guess since the Royal Rumble weekend show is that Worlds Collide thing, all of the big title matches and whatever will happen on TV. So that's <laughs> it. Feels like they don't really have much to build to other than next week's television, but. I mean, hey, you get you get good you get some good solid wrestling every week, and everything kind of makes sense on NXT. So I have very little to complain about about that show. Did I miss the Portland takeover? Am I making is that a thing? Uh, I think that's in February. Yeah, so that's what they're building to. Okay, yeah, I guess there's right. that, but that's still so. I guess there's the Worlds Collide show first, so right. The, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're building super strong to that. Cause I, I believe that they have already said the Roger strong match with Keith Lee will be on TV in two weeks. So mm. they're still just kind of building week to week TV for right now, but I, I'm sure they'll start ramping it up soon. All right. Good times. Uh, AEW, uh, good show, decent wrestling, bad angles. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of uh, seems to be a recurring theme with AEW a lot of weeks. Um, like, uh, I I liked the Moxley this... and Jericho thing. And yeah, that was good. I liked... I thought MJF was really good in his promo. Sure. Um, but yes, otherwise we had more Brandy Rhodes, which nobody mm. likes. And we had more Dark Order, which nobody likes. Mm-hmm. And then we have like we have like Dark Order stuff smushed into this Chris Daniels doesn't have it no more and Pentagon is taunting him. So I assume we're just trying to build the like Pentagon versus Daniels in a rematch or like Daniels and one of the other SCU guys against Lucha Bros, but we've also got to deal with the the Dark Order and the Bucks got to get in there somewhere. So it's like, it's just like a jumbled mess of mostly not very good angles on that undercard of AEW show right now. Okay, I thought, I thought Daniels being like the exalted one of the, the Dark Order or whatever, that makes, you know, 
he's the, the higher power. Angel. Yeah, he he's the higher power now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that would make all the sense in the world. Twenty years after he of... was supposed to be the higher power, he'll be the higher power. That would make all the sense in the world, and they didn't do it tonight. So, uh, and why is Brandy a heel? Like, uh, like just objectively speaking, she's theoretically the public face of the company. Mm-hmm. She has done good babyface work before. Mm-hmm. Her husband is the best babyface in wrestling. Sure. She's objectively one of the best looking people in wrestling. Sure. People want to people want to like her. Right. Why, why is she a heel? It's a great question. Um I I don't I don't have a great answer for you. I yeah, I think a lot of people liked her when she was sort of in Cody's corner. And I understand wanting to strike out on your own and, and be in your own angle. I don't think anyone has a problem with that. But yeah, that's this this thing. And I, I mean, it really struck me. They had her on commentary for the Riho versus Chris Statlander title match tonight, which first of all was annoying because I, I think I've said this before. Why why don't you just make Brandy the champion if she's going to be the star <laughs> of every women's segment? Like, or make Kong the champion or whatever. Like, who cares? Because clearly, like, Riho holding that belt is not making her a bigger star. Especially not when she's, you know, talked down to and then gets beat up every week. But anyway, and and it was it really struck me as, like, we're, like, eight weeks into this angle of this storyline of the the nightmare collective, a division of the nightmare family. And, and Tony Schiavone is like, so, uh, noticed you like cutting hair. What's that about? <laughs> and Brandy basically says nothing. Cause that's it. That's the whole thing. Right. They're evil and they cut hair and they have deathmatch legend Luther in their group now. Um, <laughs> the most nonsensical thing. Perhaps of all of the nonsensical things. Yeah, it's like because at least like I understand people really hated that one Dark Order angle, um, and I would not have had them lay out every single top baby face in the company. But at least like the Dark the Dark Order stuff is like at least like kind of a fun novelty act, and those little infomercial bits they did were funny, and you could like at least build something as we talked about with Daniels or somebody else, another tag team perhaps shocking the world and joining him joining as like the new leader of that group or whatever but in the meantime like where like i just look at this brandy stuff and i'm like what's what's what what did they what okay they've collected a few followers they cut hair do they want (laughs) to do they want the women's title belt unclear they seem like they do do they want to just fight people. They don't really have a lot of wrestling matches, so it doesn't seem like uh, in-ring competition is their goal. And well, maybe just after eight weeks, we should have an idea of what they are beyond their mean and they cut hair. Right. Well, and and Britt Baker is clearly going heel, like right. But Brandy buried her on commentary. Yes. So. Either the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, or she's going to be a heel that's not part of the Nightmare Collective. <laughs> right. Just sort of like 
being a heel within that women's division. It's like being a heel that's not in the NWO in 1998 <laughs> WCW. It's like you're just you're not going to get very much attention. Hey, Dally's wrestling this next week. Speaking of 1998 WCW, <laughs> yeah, that's that's wild. I guess they've been. I mean, he's been in other segments. They did a segment with him and MJF like a month ago, and. And whatever, but it did seem to come. A, the match seemed to come very out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he's like, "You know, I've been thinking about wrestling again." And then ten minutes later, like, "Guess what, everybody? He's wrestling next week." They, um, they did. The, they rebooted an angle that they did before. It's, there were many angle reboots on the show. Yes, <laughs> this week. Well, Kenny Omega also had to run off and save Michael Nakazawa, and again, we have again. no idea what the resolution to what that was. Yeah, I mean, at least this time we have confirmation that Pac was, in fact, beating him up. The other time we just saw Pac go into <laughs> Michael's locker room, and then we never found out what happened. And the first time, maybe he's like, well, I'm not going to beat you up this time, but if this happens again in three weeks, I'm putting you in my hold. <laughs> and and sure enough, sure enough, Kenny wasn't there, and he put him in that hold this week. But yeah, there was a lot of, <laughs> they're like, well, no, we're going to do it right this time, but. Also, it, it's a lot of it, like we said, was very clunky, but there was good wrestling and maybe best of all, it's only a two hour show. So. All right. Now we've talked about everything, including eight minutes on New Year's Eve television. <laughs> Please. And we'll do another eight if we feel like it. Damn it. Please just shoot me in the head if I ever start talking about that again. I just I just want to point out like at one point I was like shifting us to wrestling and you were like, no, goddammit, we're talking more about New Year's Eve. <laughs> so even when I try to shift it to wrestling, you sh- <laughs> you steamrolled me. So I'm That's... I'm putting this on you this time. That is true. I have no comeback. All right. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ethan. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Seacrest out. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Alright, I think it's good. Anyway, um, how was the, uh, 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 how's, uh, how's, how's things going? <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're going, and just working, and, you know, kind of waiting around to see if the world's gonna blow up, and, yeah, yeah, all that good, all that good fun stuff. Yeah. So is this just wag the dog stuff or like uh Yeah, I mean he's he's done this like a few different times with a few different people where like he kinda walks us close and then backs off mm-hmm. and then tries to act like he's you know being a big smart boy by de escalating, even though he's the one that escalated in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um 
yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. I mean, I think we're still quite a few steps away from any sort of like serious organized conflict um, with with Iran, but it's not it's not great. It's not great, Bob. No, certainly isn't. Also, I just think in general there should be a rule for people that write op-eds or who are uh, guest pundits on cable news. Um, if they work or have worked for uh, Raytheon or Northrop Grumman or anyone else who like makes bombs for a living, mm-hmm. you probably have to disclose that if they're coming on to talk about how war with Iran might be a good idea. <laughs> I just, like, cable news isn't really on my radar because I sample it every now and then, and it's like, well, this isn't news. This is <laughs> this is just this is just garbage. Right. Uh, regardless of whichever network you choose, like... <laughs> yes. This, none of this is news. This is all, here's a news item. Here are six people to talk about it. <laughs> it's like, that's not, right. the, that's not the news. So I don't really... I don't care about that. Yeah, I mean, and part of it's, we've probably had this discussion before, but, like, 24-hour news is, like, it's good for a 9-11-type crisis event or a sh- an active shooter or something right. where you need up-to-the-second, up-to-the-minute info. When there isn't that, they still need to try to keep you watching. So every story has to be that, and every story has to have nine people yelling about it. Wow, Wolf Blitzer looks sternly. <laughs> Dumbest man. I try to keep on keeping on.